Welcome to week two of our series, Soul Food. We're talking about healing for the torn soul uh, this morning. So here's my question. Is there something inside you that is just off? And, and, and you know it. You can't put your finger on it, but you know it, and you can feel it. You can sense it anytime you get yourself quiet enough to actually deeply feel. It doesn't matter whether things are going really well or whether things are going really poorly. It's, it's just there. And that's what we're here to talk about this morning. It doesn't need to be that way. What we're talking about today is the thing that... that, that Stuart prayed about that we're constantly looking for, searching for, craving, and um, maybe we have just found it in these brief glimpses. It is a beautiful, rich, powerful, ancient Hebrew word. Um, that, that It's one of my favorites, and I hope it will become one of your favorites too. It's called Shalom. Shalom. Now, some of the church people, I say they're nodding. Yeah, I know, I know Shalom. Shalom is peace, the absence of conflict. Is it, well, yes and no. It's so much more. It's so much better. In fact, Shalom is a desire that um, we're not there yet. Shalom is a desire that God has for us. Here it is. Here it is. It's so strong. It means contentment. Completeness, wholeness, health, joy, peace, welfare, safety, security, tranquility, blessing, fullness, rest, harmony, without anxiety or friction. We just don't have a language that speaks that kind of depth. Now, would you say that describes your life? Maybe. Maybe not. But but would you like it to? Here's the good news. It, it could. It can. And no matter who you are, God desires this more than we want it for ourselves. And it is far better than the alternative. Take a look at the alternative. Here we go. The absence of shalom is discontent, lack, chaos, darkness, disappointment, bitterness, restlessness, insecurity, turmoil, emptiness, anxiety, and frustration. Does that better describe your life? Here's the good news. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. No matter who you are or what your past looks like, God desires shalom for you. And, and so what we want to talk about today is looking at how we can obtain that, how we can follow God and take shalom. So when Moses was speaking to the Israelites about how to follow God, how to be the people, be the community that God had created them to be, and how to experience shalom. He said something very interesting in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Take a look at it. He said, only take care and keep your soul diligently. Keep your soul diligently. Watch out for your soul. Protected, guarded with OCD like attention. Why? Because shalom is what a healthy soul, a well fed soul, a healed soul experiences. Because we said this last week, take a look. The health of your soul determines the quality of your life. The health of 
determines the quality of your life. Not your finances, not your grades, not your physical health, not your marriage, not your job, not your popularity or your looks, the health of your soul. So we want to guard that and watch it. That's what we're going to do today. And, and it's shalom for your soul, for your healed soul. It's what you want. Then stick with us. That's where we're headed. And I'm going to serve as, as sort of a tour guide to the maze of the soul, not because it's above me to tear apart my own soul. On the contrary, I'm quite good at it. I've had a lot of practice. But even in doing that, God is seducing me to a greater pleasure of, of his presence and his mercy and his grace and his shalom. That, that even my addictions for shredding my soul are being transformed, and that's what I want for all of us. So I want to give you, I want to remind you now, because we're going to go to some places that, that we don't usually go. And you may not want to go. But I'm here to bring you great hope. Great hope. Everybody who leaves here should have great hope. But you need to also understand this. Great hope doesn't appear great until you know you have great need for it. So let's just pray for that. Let's just pray. Lord, we come into your presence and, and we want to hear from you. Um, we would ask that we would have um, a revelation of our great need and at the same time the great hope that you provide. Lord, that you would show us how we've torn our souls and how you want to heal and bring us shalom, not condemnation. I, I ask that you would rip the veil off our eyes and our hearts and our minds so that we hear your voice, we see your face, and we respond and say yes. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, for this first part, we're just going to take a look again. Uh, if you were with us this uh, last week, uh, this will be a little bit of review. These are the elements of you, and you don't really even have to believe the Bible or believe in God to, to agree with this. This is from Dallas Willard. Here's, uh, here's what okay. he shows us, uh, the elements of you. So, okay, so concentric circles, and the, the farthest on the inside is your will. It's bright and it's shiny and it wants what is best, right? So there it is. Outside of that is, is a tranquil mind, right? A sound mind. And then we have a healthy, thriving body. It's green. And then relationships are just drenched in love. They're red. And they're out there. Then you see the soul. Now, the soul is not just a ring. It, it is underneath all of that, over all of that. The soul's job is to align is to align all of those elements of you into harmony. See, we can't have shalom if there's discord with, with the will over here and the mind over here and the body over here and the relationship. To, the soul's job is alignment. You can see they're all concentric circles. When we think of alignment, I think we often think about our cars and aligning the four wheels, right? Because if you don't have like your four wheels aligned, your car will veer in places you don't want it to go. So, look, the reason that your car always seems to be driving in front of the house of the person you're crushing on um, is not alignment. The reason for that is you're a stalker. You're a stalker. I'm going to you young people. That's for free. But if our car veers where we don't want it to go, that's dangerous. 
But if the elements of us veer away from each other, from the soul's ability to hold it together, well, that's tragic. That's tragic. Because the soul is not elastic. Our soul, like many, like many precious <coughs> things, is, is fragile. So we're going to take a look. We're going to take a look at the elements of you. First is your will. Your will. Your desires, your judgment, your um, ability to choose. Do you ever find yourself doing something that goes against your own standards? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about biblical standards. Do you ever find yourself choosing things, doing things that go against your own standards? Your own values, what you think is best. That's that's your will. Wandering, right? You ever gone to a restaurant and you try to order Diet Coke and they say, is Diet Pepsi okay? And you say, yes. That's evidence of a broken will. <laughs> do you ever do things that violate what you know, what you sense to be best? Really? I mean, have you ever said these words? If I had it to do over again, I would do things so differently. If you've ever said that, chances are your will has gone off course before. You know, the will is the place where a lot of us get sideways. Whether, whether we are faithful or we describe ourselves as Jesus followers or not, the will is the place where many of us get sideways spiritually because God didn't do something that we needed, that we wanted him to do for us. God didn't come through in this way. God didn't stop this person from getting sick or dying or leaving, and we prayed. I mean, we really prayed he didn't do it. So here's what we think. Here's, here's what we think. Take a look. He may be God, but he's not good. He may be God, but he is not good. Why? Because you've experienced pain. And he wept with you through that. And he will heal. And he will make it right. But not right now. Not right the way that you, you want. Because he did not conform his will to your will. I get this. I get this. And I'm not condemning you for this. I just want you to know that that's such a dangerous place to be. Because scripture again and again and again says, okay, from the lenses that you and I see, we can't see the full will of God in the scope of eternity. But we can trust that it is good, it is perfect, and it is lovely, and it and he can be trusted. Do you realize, like, the will part, that's kind of like what made Satan Satan. That's what he had a beef with. Here's, here's what he said, basically. Take a look. He said, can you bring that up, please? Okay. Uh, he was silent on this, actually. Uh, he said, if you won't let me be God, I don't want anything to do with you. And that's where some of us are, um, without realizing that's where some of us are. And, and, and here's just a simple question, we'll move on. 
what is more important to you? God agreeing with your will or God helping your will to become his will? I don't know. I don't know, but I, but I know that we can find a way. We can find a way through. Here's what we need to do. Here's what we need to do. To find healing for your torn soul and receive shalom, you need to surrender your will to Jesus. We need surrender our wills because when we don't, when our will wanders, it tears our soul. We need to surrender our will. The next part of us is your mind. You ever think about your mind, some of the crazy things it thinks? Have you ever thought that just because of the name yoga pants, that means they could be worn as pants outside of yoga? That is evidence of a broken mind. Broken, broken mind. The mind is the home of your thoughts and your feelings. Your thoughts and your feelings. They're constantly bombarding us, and much of the time, they need to be filtered. Because a lot of the time, they're, they're lying to us. And, and, and we find ourselves thinking bitter thoughts about other people. And when we think bitter thoughts about other people, criticism replaces compassion. Right? We would rather be right than be reconciled and loving. We'd rather make a point than make a difference. Right? Many of us have frequent thoughts and feelings of inadequacy and insecurity. And this is easy to identify in, in people who have low self-confidence. But what about the people who are proud and, and, and puffed up? Well, that's often just another way to compensate for insecurity. Insecurity. Both stem from that. And we want to follow these, these, these thoughts, these feelings. That you don't have to. You don't have to. Because this is true. You are in control of how you feel. And our feelings are most often determined by what we think about most. And the Apostle Paul showed us we have this choice. Here it is. Take a look. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Renewal of your mind. The mind that's conformed to the world is is self-centered. It doesn't really matter whether you think much of yourself or think little of yourself. The point is you're thinking about yourself. And he wants to save us from that. Shalom is not a self-centered mind. It's not a conformed mind. It's a transformed mind. And take a look at how awesome this is from Isaiah. It says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. You keep him in perfect shalom when our thoughts, when our minds are fixed on God. And we trust in God. But when that doesn't happen, our minds wander. And our soul is torn. Here's what we need to do. To find healing for your torn soul and receive shalom. You need to have Jesus 
renewed your mind. So we need a surrendered will. We need a transformed mind. Now we get to our body. You ever eaten kale, Brussels sprouts, or flaxseed because you thought it was people food? Evidence of broken body. We're going to get home. He's going, made that for the animals. Don't know why you're eating <laughs> But dig a little deeper. You ever smiled at somebody at the same time you're thinking critical and, 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 and really negative thoughts about? That's your body and your mind going apart. How about this? Ever been on a diet that's blown it? Like you blew it this day, right? And you think to yourself, well, I've already blown it today. I might as well eat the house down. <laughs> Ever thought that? That is your mind and your will you and your body all leaving the reservation at once. Psychiatrists call this the what-the-heck syndrome. Actually, they call it something else, but we're in church. Some of you know that's true. That's true. And it might be funny when we're talking about food, but it's true that once we jettison all our mind and our will and our body, anything becomes possible, right? I mean, we do this with our addictions. I've blown in this area before. What difference does it make if I do it again? I started this lie. I stick with it. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to ride this out. People do this with their sexuality all the time. I've cheated once. I've already lost my virginity. Sexual purity is off the table for me. It can't be restored. Might as well let it go. That's a lie. That's a lie. And our body separates from our soul. Maybe we believe the world's worst advice as to how to live. Take a look at this. There is. If it feels good, do it. No, no, there's enough good things that feel good. That, that can't be your standard without thinking, what does it do to your mind? What does it do to your heart? What does it do to your will? What does it do to your relationships? What does it do to your soul? That is what we need to look at. And Paul the Apostle Paul, he warns us, he grieves over us. In Philippians, he says this, For many, of whom I have often told you, and now tell you again with tears, he's weeping over these people he loves. Walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, and I don't want that for them. Their God is their belly, their appetites, whatever they feel, whatever they crave, and they glory in their shame. They celebrate things they should be repenting. With mindset on earthly things. So you see the mind and the body both conspiring to shred the soul. And it does not have to be like that. Here's the alternative Romans 12. It says, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And that sounds really deep. Let's boil it down. Do whatever you want to do. As long as you can do it in the worship of God. What does that mean? Well, if you can take your body and use your body in whatever you got to do in a way that is aware and enjoying the nearness and the glory of God while you do it, that's a good thing. 
It's when you and I find that we can't do that and choose that anyway. Our soul gets torn. Here's what we need to do. Here's what we need to do. To find healing for your torn soul and receive shalom. You need to repent of using your body for self-gratification. It's shallow. The deep joy is devoting your body to Jesus in self-sacrifice. Learn it before you have to. That is the deeper joy. That is the deeper pleasure. And so we go to our relationships. But we're going to talk more about relationships next week because we're talking about finding your soulmate. And you married people, don't stay home because this applies to you too. Um, Finding your soulmate, we'll look at that. But we want to talk about our relationships in relation to tearing our soul. Um, Your relationships, whether it's marriage or a romantic relationship, friendships, uh, teammates, co-workers, doesn't matter what it is. When there's tension, when there's strain in that relationship, what is your first thought? There's a problem with this other person, right? There's a problem with this other person. If they would just do this or stop doing that, we wouldn't have a problem. Well, well, maybe. Maybe that's true. But I know and love a ton of people who have an uninterrupted string of strained and broken relationships throughout their whole life. And yet, it is always the other person who is the problem. Now, now back up and just look at this. They are the only common denominator in every one of these relationships. But it never dawned on them that the problem might be with them. Is that that you? I mean, I got a guy who's a friend. Very close. Married five times. Five bad women. Really? Really? Okay. Here's the Apostle Paul is telling us how to do it, right? How to live in Shalom. Take a look. He says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit. Don't let that be in any of your relationships. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves, just like Jesus did for us. Whether it's your marriage, or your friendships, or your work, or your teammates, or your neighbors, humility. Be the loving, joyful servant. That's where the joy is. That's where the fruit is. That's where the shalom is. Can you imagine in your marriage what your marriage would be like if you, just you, decided you were going to be the loving, joyful servant? Can you imagine what your marriage would be if you both decided that you're going to duke it out to see who can be the more loving, the more joyful, the more serving? It would be awesome. People would be coming in out of the street saying, tell me, how do you do this? How do you experience? Can you imagine how your friendships would be? If instead of obsessing about whether your friends are reacting to you in the ways that you want, whether your friends are giving you what you feel, you could be your, their loving, joyful servant. You would have more friends and better friendships 
then you would know what to do with it. You, you, you folks who, who play sports, or you, you're, you're in athletic competition, your teammates, you want to change the DNA of your team? Be a loving, joyful servant. Yeah, but I'm on the 18th. Even better. Every time you see a need, you fly into action, especially if it's for somebody that nobody notices. Right? And you need it. And all of a sudden, people are infected with the shalom. And, and you want to you you change the DNA of your team. You be loving, joyful, <coughs> servant. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. But so often, that's not what we do. Because we look at relationships as transactional. Right? You give me, I give you. And we often feel like we're the ones on the short end of the sick one if we really believe the gospel. We would know that the God of the universe, Jesus, has loved us so lavishly in a way that we do not deserve, that our account is always full. So, yes, I, 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 can, I can dispense without keeping record of what I get. But we don't, we don't do that very often. And so in self-protection, we push away. I'm not getting from you what I need to get from you so you don't get me. And you push away from other people. You push away from God. And our souls shred. And this is when we say, I feel like I'm empty. I'm feeling like I'm falling apart. What do we do? We pick up the pieces. But if we're honest, you and I need more than picking up the pieces because they're still they're still torn and they're still wounded. What do we do? Four simple, beautiful words change everything. And here's the thing: many of you already know what they are. But I'd like you to hear it again as if for the first time. Here they are. He restores my soul. Jesus restores my soul. That's the great news. Jesus himself said, Come to me all. Come to me. And you'll find rest, find healing for your souls. The Apostle Paul put it this way. Put it this way in Colossians chapter one. He said, "In Jesus, in Him, all things, all things, even souls that have been ripped apart, hold together." How how, how does all of this happen? How does all of this happen? Watch this. Watch this. Isaiah chapter 53. Verse 5. But he, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us shalom. And with his stripes, by his tearing, we are healed. 
on the cross in our place. Jesus allowed his soul to be broken and torn so that you and I could be healed. On the cross, in our place, Jesus sacrificed his shalom. He's the inventor of it. He's the embodiment of it. He let that all be taken away so that you and I could have it. You remember what that is, that shalom? Take a look again. Contentment, completeness, wholeness, health, joy, peace, welfare, safety, security, tranquility, blessing, fullness, rest, harmony, no anxiety. I don't know anybody who doesn't want that. But I know too many who don't want Jesus. And my friends, that is Jesus. But we have wills that want to be independent. If you are breathing, to one degree or another, you have torn your soul, and you and I can do nothing about it. You, my friend, who need to be in control, cannot control this. But here's the great news. You don't need to. Because that is the gift. That is the gospel. Jesus came to hold all things together to restore your soul. And he gives shalom to everyone who wants it. And that is great hope. As we said before, great hope doesn't appear.